0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. In this episode, I wanted to talk about sleep paralysis. Now, I'm not going to go very much into detail about the specific cause, probabilities, or a lot of the science uh, science around it, because um, I'm not very familiar with that. I'd actually like to have a guest on at some point to talk about that. So if you are or if you know anyone that specializes in studying sleep or sleep paralysis um, and would like to potentially come on the podcast to talk about it, let me know. But in this episode, I'm going to talk about my experiences with it. Um, so, basically, I'm going to talk a little bit about what it is and how I experience sleep paralysis. So, sleep paralysis, to me, as I've experienced it, is when you wake up in the middle of the night and your brain is awake, but your body is not awake. So it could be considered kind of the opposite of sleepwalking because in sleepwalking, your, your uh, body is awake, but your brain is asleep. So it, it's a bit of a it's a different um, could call it perhaps an opposite phenomenon. So when you wake up and your brain is awake, but your body is still asleep, you wake up and you feel the impulse to move your arms or to move your legs, and you can't. Um, I've experienced this several times. I started experiencing it as a teenager, perhaps a preteen, if I'm not mistaken. I think around 12 or 13 is when I started experiencing it. And it's really scary. It is really terrifying. It can be a very scary experience. Um, Just the fact alone of not being able to move or speak, to be awake and not being able to move at all, and even voice that you can't move, like I would try to speak or I would try to scream in certain occasions, and I could not. Um, and that was very scary, and I I've actually now heard from other neurodivergent, autistic, ADHD, mainly autistic ADHD individuals. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure this might happen to other neurodivergent indiv- individuals outside of those two neurotypes as well, but. Um, I've heard from other people, other neurodivergent people experiencing this kind of thing, where they also see a dark, shadowy figure or, you know, something that could be interpreted as a demon or something like that. I have been lucky to not really experience that. I think there was maybe one time, maybe two times, and I saw some kind of, I don't, I must, I might have been projecting some kind of shadow or something, Um, maybe something sort of similar to that, but nothing like what some people have reported in terms of like seeing some kind of figure, like that sounds even more terrifying, Um, particularly when you're in a situation where you cannot move or speak. Um, and actually, like, get up and see what's going on, if this is real and what it is. Um, So, yeah, I've been lucky in terms of not experiencing it as bad as some people reported, and with these other aspects of it as well. To me, I feel like, thankfully, also, luckily, the paralysis itself... I don't think it you would usually last for me more than ten or twenty seconds, but it still feels like a very long, very scary ten or twenty seconds where I'm trying to move and i'm it feels like I'm using like every strength like my my full strength, all the strength I have in my body. To like just slightly move my leg or my arms. What helps me sometimes, what has helped me is taking a deep breath and stopping and and just like kind of trying to refocus and reground myself. Be mindful of what's going on. And then thankfully that seems to usually work for me, like after that, after 10 or 20 seconds of doing that, I'll be able to move, I'll like wake up or fully be able to move again, Um, but it is really scary when it happens, and um, I actually had, back when I was living in Brazil, when I started experiencing this, started experiencing this when I was, uh, my early teenage years, I had someone come to my house and put a bunch of, like, electrodes, a bunch of wires in my brain um, as I went to sleep to try, you know, measure the sleep patterns and try to figure out what was going on, and I remember that, you know, it it wasn't something that happened to me every night, and I think it didn't happen to me that night that I had the, the wires hooked up so um that was kind of inconclusive from what i remember um but i i do find myself wanting to know more about the potential causes behind it Uh, i've been lucky to not experiencing it to not experience it as much lately It, it has been it is something that has affected me more during my teenage years But I am really curious to start talking more about it on this podcast and researching more about it and trying to get a little more into the science behind that. But I want to do that on a guest episode with someone that is more familiar with sleep. And I actually have already... An idea of someone a sleep psychologist that I've worked with um, that might be interested might be might be interested in coming on this podcast, but if not uh regardless please uh if you know anyone or if you are anyone that might be interested on coming on this podcast to talk about that, uh please let me know. I'd be happy to host an episode to speak more. More in detail about this um, thing that a lot of us experience, uh, and it can actually lead to a lot of anxiety as well. For me, particularly, even even though I don't experience this as much anymore, I'll get kind of afraid of falling asleep because I don't want to experience it. Experience it, and I get worried or paranoid that I'm going to experience it. So. I keep myself from falling asleep which can uh affect my sleep of course. Um not always, but like certain nights if I'm if I have a lot of thoughts in my head or I'm very worried about something, it that that paranoia can creep in there even if it hasn't happened in a while, I'll get worried about the sleep paralysis potentially happening anyways um that's all for today i hope you enjoyed this episode i hope you were able to get something out of it and i'll see you next time thank you for listening